If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Even $1 goes a long way, and we truly appreciate your support. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDUP Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes, episode 66. We're going to cover part two of our adventure bike demo day. And we've got a special guest with us this evening, Micah Cooper, who is one of the riders of Loud Pipes. So this will be interesting. Well, let's go ahead and bring in the fellas. Mr. Hogan, what's up, man? What's up, family? How you doing this evening? We're hanging in there, hanging in there. (laughs) Just to get the party started. Why not? Why not? Yeah, beverage. I'm drinking a Crown Royal and Coke tonight, brother. Oh, thanks for not leaving me hanging. You know it. <laughs> if you're listening on the live stream, you would know we uh, didn't have many beverages a few minutes ago. So thanks, Rico. <laughs> Couldn't leave my boy out there by himself. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, Mr. Miracle, TD, third co-host, spider riding extraordinaire without a beer. What's up, man? Doing well, man. Doing well. Sorry, I don't have no beer tonight. You still trying better? to fight off this. Yeah, I'm getting better. I've been under this weather, so okay. Finally, starting to feel better this afternoon. So, all right. And lastly, let's bring in our special guest, Micah Cooper. He is a rider of the Loud Pipes Group, aka one of the patrons. Micah, what's up? I'm happy and excited to be here. Awesome. And a beverage. Currently, I'm just drinking some uh, grocery store spring water, but. Oh, sounds we'll lovely. What happens in the course of the evening? Sounds lovely. Well, my beer is befitting of what I'm wearing. I'm starting trouble with my Tom Brady jersey. Since he, he come on, the man had a milestone. Come in some slack. <laughs> Cheater. So I am drinking Roaring Riot from Noda Brewing, and this is their rye pale ale, and it's dedicated to Carolina tailgaters. So oh wait, and one more thing. It's canned. Use your can opener. Of course. And loudpipes.net slash store. I've got my koozie. Sweet. <laughs> Look at you. Styling and profiling. Got to get the promos in early. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So the can's going to be all nice and cool and, and refreshing and keep it nice and cold, right? It is. But do they make any that are taller? See, this only goes about two thirds up on the can. Well, koozies, koozies are to keep your hands from getting cold, not your beer from getting warm. Oh, I'm doing it wrong then. Okay. Never mind, John. Never mind. <laughs> Thanks, Micah. <laughs> Glad I could help. All right. Quick mention before we get to the topics. We mentioned on episode 64, and we mentioned it again last episode, 65, about our smartphone case giveaway. 
So just a quick reminder, share one of our posts on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Studios, and that will get you an entry into that contest up to five per person. All right, new topics. ADV Demo Day Part 2. So last episode, we had Brian Honeycutt on, who is an ADV rider with his big GS. And Micah is not riding an ADV bike, but he did get to sample a couple with me on this demo day. So again, this was at Motorcycles with Charlotte. So thanks to them again for putting on the event. And before we get started, Micah, what are you riding currently? I have a 2009 Moto Guzzi V7 Classic. Very nice. And it is white. Is that matte white or is that glossy? Pearlescent. Pearlescent. Sexy. Yeah, with a, the, it's got a cool Moto Guzzi stripe, black stripe down the tank. It's beautiful in the sunlight. It's cool. I think I mentioned it before when we were riding off to the place that starts with a B that I won't name because I don't have any money to put in the in jar. Alabama? <laughs> in Alabama. <laughs> the, the profile of that is just awesome you know looking in the rear view seeing that thing behind me it was so classic so cool it looks great standing still sometimes we'll just head out to the driveway just to just stare at it enjoy the view that's how you know you're on the right bike all right before we get into the test drive just test drive test rides um just a little background just let everyone know how long you've been riding you know sort of your riding experience just to set the stage on that if you will i grew up in a family that where motorcycles was not a something youth would think about it was would have been completely discouraged about 10 years ago i decided i wanted to get a bike so i took the msf course and i passed got my motorcycle endorsement and then immediately moved to new york city did not <laughs> how that work out not, for your riding <laughs> i you know it, it it slipped my mind for like 10 years and i moved back to charlotte and uh decided i wanted to pick up you pick up where I left off. So I took the MSF course again in April, uh, bought a bike within a couple of weeks of it ending. And, uh, so really my riding experience goes from May 1st to today. Very nice. So, so same boat as me. Yeah. You're in the same boat as John. That's cool. All right. So we'll give kudos for the, the MSF course. You take that, um, locally or, or where was that? To get at the, at, uh, Charlotte Harley, Harley Davidson of Charlotte. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what they call it. But it says yeah. Harley Davidson of Charlotte, located in Matthews, is right underneath this. <laughs> it's always funny. Yeah, so I took it. I, I actually took the Harley Riders Edge course, which is the same. The branding, yeah. They have, they have better snacks than at the MSF course. And you didn't end up with a street 500. I'm surprised. <laughs> they were pushing. <laughs> well, they weren't pushing the streets. They were pushing. They were like, oh, you've been riding in a parking lot for two days why don't you buy an electric glide yeah why don't you take this road glide out for a spin this is perfect yeah well i think when i went for the class they were pushing the street glide i can't remember what which one they were but they were like yeah you need a gigantic bike right now it's funny and rico you've done msf right or something like it yeah oh yeah oh yeah i took it twice i think i'm the lone wolf the only one that hasn't done it yet I think you still should do it, brother. I should. I think uh, I think uh, you'll pick up some some healthy tips that keep you alive a little longer. You know, you'll get um, 
you'll get more experience as far as, you know, slow turning, U-turns, going over stuff. You'll pick up uh, better habits than what you probably do today. So I encourage it. That's cool. But it hurts at the same time, man. <laughs> I don't have bad habits. <laughs> yes, you do. I've only slid the th- rear tire like five times. Come on. All right, let's get on to the bikes. So, Micah, is it fair to say you were shopping or were you just experiencing the ADV bikes like me? Well, my wife may be listening. Oh, hold on. I'm getting a delivery. (laughs) Is that food? Booze. Oh, good. We'll pause for that anytime. Anytime. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So, let me just. Yeah. So, I was going to say while you're pouring. So, I I know you've been shopping a little bit because we've gone out. Well, I was saying my wife may listen to this episode. So, no. Not shopping. Okay. Just for the record, not shopping. Just for the record, not shopping. <laughs> awesome. But, you know, the, the <laughs> John's on the floor. <laughs> um, the thing about being a new rider is you've only pretty much ever ridden your bike. Right. So I was very happy and I still am really happy with my bike you and i went out to the moto Gucci dealer and we got on that griso and all of a sudden i was like i need like 65 more horsepower right now yeah the, the griso kind of spoils you once you get a taste of that you're like oh this is what torque yeah. feels like okay yeah <laughs> that's so fun. my bike right now is about supposed to be about 42 horsepower it's not really a speed bike but right what is it? Seven seven fifty cc, give or take. Seven fifty cc, but it's an old engine design, right? What well, year is that? It's a two thousand nine. Okay, but it's basically the same motor that's been in those Moto Guzzi's for decades, with the exception of it got updated to have uh, fuel injection. All right. Well, let's take a stroll down the list. So I know there's two bikes that you had a chance to ride that I also road um the multistrada 1200s which we'll save till the end that'll be some good conversation and the bmw r1200 gs uh, i rode the adventure very similar bike but um you rode the the regular gs not the adventure model and then you also had the f700 gs and the bmw r9t scrambler so what did you think of the f700 i really actually liked that bike a lot it was it was a small bike. You kept you kept commenting how skinny it looked from the back. Not how skinny I looked, but how skinny the bike looked. It looked like a big scooter <laughs> at times. Like the, the, the side, pro, side profile, the rear profile going up the highway. At times, I was like, man, that's just a big scooter. Just the way the rear is designed. It's a, it, I mean, it is a, a small bike. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like it had skinny tires or anything like that. Um, I, I really liked it. It, you know, it it was smooth on the highway. It didn't feel particularly underpowered, even though compared to some of the bigger bikes I rode later in the day, it was way down on power. Yeah. But if I were a a smaller person, maybe a, you know, a woman or a teenager or something, and I wanted to ride around the world, I think that would be a pretty good option. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is, I think you and I talked about this afterwards. Whatever they've done between that F700 and the F800, there's a huge difference because I was sitting on the F800. Now, this was also the adventure model, and that was a huge motorcycle compared to the 700. And I don't know if that's on purpose or 
I mean, I think it, I think it is, um, because it's it, like I like I was saying, it's the same engine. I'm pretty sure with just maybe some sleeved cylinders or something. Yeah, slightly bigger bore in the 800. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that what they were doing is they wanted maybe a smaller bike for some for smaller people, maybe, um, or uh, you know, in other countries they have um, some the CC limits. CC limits or, or uh, horsepower limits as well. Yeah. So maybe that that bike is designed uh, for that too. I, I think they originally came out with the 700, and then they just made the 800. Yeah. Um, but that but that well, 800, especially if you get the adventure version, that's that's pretty big and it's very tall compared to the 700. The the 800 seemed really similar to the 1200 GS. When if you put all three of them side by side, it would one of them would stick out as being different. Um, that would be the F seven hundred. Yeah, but you know the bike. I found the bike very attractive. It, it was black with like a red trellis frame. You know, it looked really cool. Yeah, sharp uh, from the side for sure. What'd you think of the lean, uh, lean angle? <laughs> <laughs> so we were question. coming around. Yeah, we we were coming around a, a roundabout, and uh, we were you, you, you might going around to, to the, be careful there. No, I wasn't going. We weren't going fast. I was maybe thirty miles per hour or something like that. And the, I guess the kickstand, the kickstand hit or something was grinding in, underneath the bike. It scared the hell out of me. Yeah. It looked like the side stand, uh, left side, side stand. Yep. Oh yeah. We were going, I guess to the left. Uh, and, uh, so it, maybe not a very athletic bike, <laughs> athletic bike. It well, I'm surprised, real- I'm surprised that anything touched the ground because it's, it's quite tall. It's not as tall as the 800, but it's still a fairly tall motorcycle. You know, it's still in that well, adventure maybe, class. So, and you know, maybe I'm not a sm- smallest guy, and uh, maybe with a lot of <laughs> a little compression, lot of suspension travel, got some compression. We had the we we had adjusted the suspension for yeah. my bulk. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. Well, and that's an interesting thing to happen on a test ride because even you know your own bike chances of something like that happening are pretty slim unless you're doing it on purpose to to get the feel. So, how did the bike feel when that happened? Was it terribly upset, or would you just kind of? leaned into it and kept going it wasn't too it, it wasn't um that shocking it, the noise was probably more what freaked me out a little bit yeah um, i certainly wasn't expecting it you know we i wasn't leaned over that much so and then i and then i started wondering you you told me it was a center stand i thought it was Nothing. a center stand yeah but then i realized afterwards it only had a side stand <laughs> so i i kind of wanted to pull over and see if maybe it was drooping or, or something <laughs> We carried we carried on. <laughs> yeah, the sparks is what got me in the daytime. I was like, "Oh, look at that!" <laughs> but it seemed to have weathered the storm very well. I didn't really notice too much grinded away from the okay from the from the stand. But I thought that that bike had really nice manners. Um, it probably would be a good bike to start out on if you were like you had to have a brand new mm-hmm. adventure bike. You know, that didn't seem like it was too powerful. It was, you know, easy to control. It was light and and small. It was a little bit tall, but I didn't have any problem flat footing it. Would this be an upgrade from your V seven from your Guzzi, or about the same yeah. power wise and everything? Oh, it was much more robust than that. Okay. So you know that's that's another thing about someone who like me who's in, in inexperienced on a lot of different bikes. It seems like every practically every bike I get on, I fall in, <laughs> I fall in love with, and I'm like, oh, this is the one for me. Yeah. Until until the next one I got on. Yeah. 
Rico, you got a thought on the 700? I know you haven't ridden these, but you have a thought on this one? Or a question, I should say, either one? Well, not not really a question. I think both bikes look pretty cool. Uh, the 800 being, the 800 Adventure being the big brother of the two. Mm-hmm. You know, for a good fun bike, I'm thinking that the 700 GS will be that bike, you know, just to get out and kick it. You know, something to just kind of tool around on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it on long rides. It doesn't look that comfortable to me. Yeah. But if I was going to do a long ride, I'll do the 800 for sure. Cause it looks like a more capable bike to me. Just, you know, the ones I'm looking at. Uh, it's built for a bigger guy, I would assume, uh, because of just the bulk of it. And I think it'll be more comfortable long term, um, for those long distance riders. The 700, I think if you're a beginner, like you guys were mentioning, uh, that would be the bike for you because it just looks more forgiving and more mm-hmm. manageable for a beginner. Um, if you're getting into motorcycles, I think that would be a good, a good starter bike to get into. Okay. John, you had a thought there. Real quick, looking at the specs, the 700 and 800 are the same engine. They're both 798, same engines. The major difference is the chain, the gearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 800 has a different gearing for higher speeds, and I think the 800 is a little taller and bigger bike than the 700. It's got 10 more horsepower, too, according to the spec, the 800. Okay. Maybe they yep. do something with the pistons or something like that. <laughs> yeah, okay, 10 more horsepower. Well, that's what I, I was looking at, because, Mike, you said you were at, sorry, Mike, you said you were at, 40 some horsepower and this uh, even this f700 is 75 so that's a pretty nice upgrade yeah yeah i mean you you could definitely tell that it was a more powerful bike but it didn't seem the power didn't seem intimidating um it, it was very smooth it's a i think it's a parallel twin it is it's a nice it's a it's a nice engine and you know i think that a, someone who is shopping for a bike that w- they wanted to ride maybe to commute in um and then take it on you know maybe not touring but you know rides like you and i do out go out you know for a couple hours out into the country uh, maybe find a fire road and come back that would be a a really good option for that bike all right since that was a gs um then you also rode i'm going to skip the scrambler just for a second but you also rode the 1200 gs now that's the you know that being the gold standard of the class what did you think of that one i love that bike (laughs) i wanted to ride that bike home (laughs) (laughs) that bike was beautiful i mean there was everything about that bike was awesome it was comfortable when it was powerful when we you and i a part of the ride was on the highway yep and it had gotten really windy uh at that point in the day so there was like a big crosswind and it felt stable it felt we were taking some of those highway on ramps pretty fast it felt controllable to me i think you had mentioned that is that when i was on the multistrada you were i was complaining about it yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) but uh you had mentioned on the g on the 1200 gs that you didn't feel uh confident in the turns yeah i just i couldn't find the confidence in the corners to to sort of push it or to try and go fast um that came to me very naturally on the triumph, but for whatever reason, the GS, I just, I didn't feel like I could bury it in the corners. Not yet. It it didn't come immediately on the highway. It wasn't windy yet when I was on the big GS. So I don't really know. How yeah, that it, it, you hardly noticed the wind at all. It was awesome. It had heated grips, 
cruise control. I couldn't figure out the cruise control on on that one. I was I didn't want to mess around too much. And, I didn't and either. Come off it, yeah, I didn't mess with anything. So I got it going on another one of the bikes, but on that one, I, I really that bike felt so good. Like like you and like I was like, ah, oh, you and McGregor could definitely <laughs> cross <laughs> Siberia on this bike. I I feel like I could do it too, even though I've only been riding for a couple of months. Very nice. One of the things that after riding a bike like that, I did feel that I understood why people were, would say, Hey, don't, don't get a 1200. Don't get a leader bike right away. Yeah. You know, start off slow because that bike definitely could, even though it, you know, it's a gigantic bike and it weighs whatever, 500 something pounds. Yeah. I still felt like it would be pretty easy to get the front wheel in the air. 525. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. You know, that's a huge bike. Um, and it felt huge, but you could definitely do some wheelies on it. <laughs> you know, you could definitely get yourself into trouble if you weren't uh, conscientious about it. Yeah, and that's a big step up in power from, so now you're going from 75 on the 700 up to 125, plus you got you know, over 90 foot-pounds of torque to deal with. So you've got quite a power plant there. Plus the drive shaft. The other two are chain-driven. Yeah, yep. And then you have the shaft-driven bike, yep. I mean, my bike is shaft driven, so I'm, I'm used to, I didn't even notice, you know, they talk about big BMWs and big Moto Guzzi's. They have that sort of, what's it called? The, the, like the twist, uh, the twist, yeah, the torque effect or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I didn't notice it. I didn't think it was that bad. And I was kind of expecting that it would be on a, on a really powerful bike like that. Yeah. I didn't notice it as much on the GS either. Um, but what I was going to ask Rico is, so when you look at possibly some sort of adventure bike, are you looking at this bad boy, the gold standard, or are you still thinking a smaller bike? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a real hard one for me because I love power. I love to go fast. I love twisties. And mm-hmm. a, a 1200 would just suit me just right. But uh, in some of the areas where I take it off-road, I won't need that much horsepower. So I, I need to dial that back some. Yeah. So that's why I'm looking for you know, at the, the 250 or, or, you know, something smaller, 500 or six. Yeah. Well, and the, the cost too, it's not that, just purchasing it. Yeah. There's the ongoing. Yeah. Yep. Understood. So what else, um, what else did you like about the big GS? I know I didn't have time to play with any of the controls as far as the electronics or anything like that. Whatever mode it was in, I left it in. I just rode the darn thing. Same with the suspension. So did you, fiddle with any of that or do you at least check it out i did but i don't i'm not sure that i was doing it right because <laughs> every time you would hit the mode button two different modes would pop up and then i wasn't sure if i had changed it to a different mode i'd have to get a little instruction on the right way to operate it i'm the kind of person who just will get in a car or on a bike and just start mashing buttons yeah i think we talked about it in the downshift I, I need to spend some time on these bikes going through like their interface you understand what all the settings are and and how you can use those to your advantage. So, yeah. So I was going to say that the, the the little demo ride, the half hour demo ride that you get on these bikes is just not enough. You need a couple hours to tinker around with it to really get the true feel for the bike. And it's unfortunate, you know, on these little events that they have that you know they're so structured and they're trying to get as many guys on these bikes to test ride them. Yeah, but you really not appreciating all the added features and bells and whistles of these bikes because you're you're not on it long enough to really experience to get down the highway for a couple hours to maybe hit the twisties you know go to go out 
toward Asheville and, you know, hit, hit the twisties, go for a long ride. So you can really, really get a feel for the bike. And it's, um, I wish that some of these dealerships were uh, allow these guys will just, you know, go out for an hour and come back and just, you know, yep. have enough bikes over there. There's enough, you know, time on the bikes so people can really get to appreciate it. And, and I think they would sell a little bit better because they had more time on the bike and they can really chew on, yep. you know, you know, the difference between what they're riding now and all the bells and whistles that comes with some of these newer bikes. Well, yeah. And some of them do that. Like once you get serious to buy, you know, I'm sure like, you know, Charlie down at Motorcycles of Charlotte or for sure the guys at Matthew's Fun Machines will do it. If, you know, if you're really getting ready to buy it, they'll, they'll let you take it and go. But yeah, on these kind of demo days, like you said, it's all about volume, getting the maximum number of people through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. But like you said, if you're serious enough to come back to it, get a good ride. Then yeah, you get a good ride in. Yep. Well, then as a as a fairly new rider, then Micah, did you get enough of a taste on any one of these that you want to go back and get another like a longer test ride? Yeah, I think that it would have been nice to have a longer longer chance to get e- or sorry a chance to get on each one of these a little bit longer. But I really enjoyed the way you could you know, hop on a bike for 30 minutes or 40 mm-hmm. minutes, however long that loop was and just sample a lot of different bikes. For me, someone who's, who's never, who hasn't been on a ton of other bikes it really was a, you know, a fun way to sort of see a lot in a short amount of time. And we were there four or five well, hours, you know, four or five hours. Wow. So if we had, you know, if we had had a chance to get a longer ride, we definitely wouldn't have had as many bikes or, yeah. you know, gotten to ride as many bikes. So I can see the positives of each one. Right. I think that the benefit of a ride like that is you can hop on four bikes or five bikes and then say, all right, I'd like to, if I'm thinking about buying, I'd like to go back and pick these two to compare against each other. And I don't need to know which one Rich would mark. (laughs) I know which ones we don't need to ride again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, uh, Michael, being being new to the motorcycle world, I guess, and you know, riding your bike for about a year now. When you got on your first bike uh, to go out, were you nervous? Uh, and what bike was that again? Was that the the F eight seven hundred GS? I had been on two short little rides um, when Rich and I went out to Matthew's Fun Machines uh, and the Motoguzzi's. We took out the V nine and the Griso, and I was pretty nervous when we took out that V nine at first but i was able to find the (laughs) to find you know the the pegs and stuff and after you know a few minutes and i I, all the anxiety had kind of melted away and by the time we had gone to the adv day i wasn't nervous to try a bunch of new bikes cool now did you stall on any of these bikes yes (laughs) (laughs) there's a story coming up we can edit that part (laughs) out if you want (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a name. <laughs> no, because you know, you want one. You're nervous. Granted, you know, you're on a you're on a new bike. You're praying that you don't screw something else where you're dropping it and get embarrassed in front of a bunch of people. You know, you want to you want to have this cool thing going on when you're on the bike. You know, I can do this. I'm out here. I'm doing it. Bam! This is nothing, right? You're out here. I'm doing it. Bam! I I'm did so once, but it wasn't it wasn't my fault. <laughs> it was it was another driver's fault. <laughs> okay okay no because you know a lot of times the, the clutch is different and yeah. some some of these bikes have to rev a little bit more some a little bit less so you know finding the sweet spots on some of these new, different bikes 
you know, it, it's a challenge sometimes. It's just, you know, just with the knowledge that you have uh, about bikes and being able to jump on another bike and ride it successfully without any kind of hiccups is a talent within itself, you know. So, it, you know, that comes with riding a lot of different bikes and knowing the behaviors of a lot of different bikes. So I just wanted to see, you know, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess what I want to drill down to is just, your readiness to, you know, if you stall readiness to kind of get back on it, start it back up and pull back off without, you know, freaking out and getting overwhelmed with, with I just stalled this bike and I'm in the middle of traffic. I've been driving manual transmission cars for 20 years exclusively. So, so I'm pretty used to Good stall. Man. Well, not used to stalling, but you know, it doesn't freak me out as much as somebody who's never been in a car or yeah. stalling or whatever. Okay. Um, Though when I took the MSF course, I stalled hundreds of times and it was a little bit embarrassing because I felt I had a leg up on some of the other people in the class because of <laughs> my experience with, with cars, but it didn't, didn't it didn't help. But at this point I'm pretty comfortable. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the clutch. Yeah. Well, Michael, so, with that, that the street 500, it was a pain in the butt. Cause I remember taking a class and you and I talked it. I mean, I had a hard time finding neutral and you said the same thing. Yeah, on that Street 500, it was a pain in the butt to find neutral. Yeah, I almost never found it on that bike. Yeah, um, and I thought, yeah, Rico, I thought he recovered well on the the inc- incident, we'll call it. But the only the only challenge was he was, I think, you were in second, so there's that right. kind of getting going after that. But did we tell that story yeah. last episode? Because so that's, that's on the oh, I don't think so. Well, that's on the art the other bike. Yeah, we'll save it's it for the NT. <laughs> okay i can't wait to hear this <laughs> well i think the buildup is gonna let everybody down <laughs> yeah yeah it's not that crazy but it's just weird it was just a little awkward all right so anything else you want to add positive or negative on the big gs and then we'll we'll get to that r9t you know one of the things that i found interesting on on all of these adventure bikes is that they are really tall i'm about five nine so i don't i'm not particularly a tall person right they're tall and I'm not that flexible either. So they're kind of hard to get on. But once I was on them, I, I was almost able to flat foot all of them. So I, that really helped me feel comfortable on them as well. So when we would pull up to a stop sign or a stoplight, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I wasn't you know worried about falling off. And I will say that the balance on the, the 1200 GS was just wonderful. I mean, that bike was so easy to ride just overall. It was very, yeah, it, carries, it carries its weight really down low. Yeah. Well, any heat coming off of the uh, headers there? No, I noticed nothing off the big GS. No. Yeah, and I'm used to riding a, and because that's a water cooled bike, and I'm used to on my Moto Guzzi, it's got the, you know, the cylinder sticking out right by your knees, so I'm used to an air cooled engine right there, and it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it, it was cooler than that for sure. Yeah, the only the only one I experienced any heat off of was that wonderful Multistrada. I, I, I say in jest. Agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what color? What color would you get it in? The GS. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I one of the things that I learned with my bike, I I wanted a, a V7, and they're not that. You know, used V7s don't come around all that frequently. So one popped up in white, and I kind of had not did not want a white bike, but it looks so good now that I'm just open to to every color now <laughs> you know i'd have to see it in person but uh because that my bike i think looks so nice and it was not the color that i wanted at all 
Okay. W- one one more question. But blue. I would get blue. Yeah, you'll get blue. Okay. So the travel in the suspension uh, for your size, uh, how'd you feel on it? I mean, th- was it enough? Was it too soft? Or I mean, tell me about the suspension for you. Did you enjoy it? Was a lot of jarring? Uh, yeah, I, I it might have been a little bit soft. I did notice it wallowing a little bit and some of the turns were not as sharp as I w- was expecting them to be, but I'm pretty sure that we could f- dial it in to make it more. Yeah, it definitely wasn't set up for somebody my size. So. I don't know what mode they were in either, Rico, suspension-wise or power-wise. The only one I recall is the the S1000XR was in, uh, no, not that one, sorry, the Triumph was in road mode. And then one of them, because Mike and I were on the headsets talking, one of them I figured out how to change it, and I did start rolling through the settings. I don't remember which one it was, though, but they were on road mode, though. I got one of them in terrain mode. I'm not sure if it was the GS or the Ducati. <laughs> what did you think of the brakes? I, you know, it was very, very sure-footed. I, I wouldn't, you know, I didn't do anything to overly stress them or do any panic, panic stopping or anything. But uh, in normal situations, it was, it was nice and, you know, didn't feel too grabby. I felt comfortable immediately on that bike in almost every way. Okay. And the windshield, I mean, some of these are awkward to me. They're <laughs> either too small, too tall, too skinny, too wide, something. What do you, what do you think about the windshield on this? I thought it was perfect. Like I said, I was in the, um, when I was riding it, it was, it was, I don't know, Rich, how, how gusty do you think it was? 14, 15 mile per hour gusts at least. Uh, when it, yeah, when it got windy, it was probably, yeah, 15 might've even yeah. gusted to 20 cause it was really blowing us around. and. To give uh, the listeners a sense for how much wind there was, as we were leaving the dealership, it came out of nowhere. Like it was calm and then suddenly it was windy and there was so much dust being blown around that it was hard to see. Like there was that much dirt in the air for a little while. So it was, it was pretty strong. So I felt, I didn't feel any, you know, weird wind at my head and I can't, now I can't remember. There was one bike that I was messing with the, with the windscreen. And I can't remember whether that was the Ducati or the the GS. Yeah, I rode a different GS, but I would echo that. The wind management on the GS was well done. There was no buffeting. It was nice. Just everything about that bike felt really thought out. The windshield on the XR, another story. It was way too tall. It was one of those aftermarket gaudy things. Mm-hmm. And it was like looking through it, it was so massive. I was That's the only thing that killed that one for me. There were two XRs on the on the ride, and one of them had a much lower lower windscreen. Yeah, but it didn't have a plate on it. <laughs> <laughs> or at least when I went to ride, it didn't have a plate on it. So I oh, jumped that on that perfect one. Perfect for that bike. I jumped on that one, and Charlie's like, it's like hey, you might want to ride the one that has a plate on it. I was like, oh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> so uh, the instrument cluster, were you able to read the gauges pretty good? Yeah, so if I recall, that had a had a analog tech and then it had a the speedo is in a, a digital panel and there was some other information on yep. the panel of gas g- gas gauge and some other stuff and i found it easy to read and have enough information and all that yeah i mean for a ride like that you the only information you really need the is speed, the tech yeah. and the speedo i thought yeah, the tack yeah. was tiny though it was off to the right it was like this little tiny thing yeah that was the only thing but, it was i mean it was easy to read but it was just very small 
so, you know, going through the different modes, I know this is, seems to be a pain point for a lot of people that's on these bikes, just figuring out what mode you're in as you're riding, especially in traffic. What, what could BMW do better with the different modes to be able to display more, uh, for loss of words here, but more vivid or right there in your face? I mean, how can, how could BMW make it better? as far as letting you know what mode you're in or how to transfer to a different mode so you'll know you're in the right mode and blah, blah, blah. I think for me, and th- this wouldn't work for everyone, but I would say color-coded. You know, Obviously, if you're colorblind, it's not going to work, but I would like to see just a little color-coded light in terms of what mode I'm in. That would work for me because looking for text on the screen somewhere that says road, rain, or, or off-road, or enduro, or whatever Ducati was calling it, I'm not going to find it until I get used to the bike. I'm not going to find it. So a little color coding would be nice. Yeah. I think that it's, it's the kind of a thing where if, if we had taken five minutes to learn, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I had taken exactly. five minutes to learn how it worked, it wouldn't, you know, it would have been come second nature pretty quickly, but because of the, you know, how we were doing those rides, one bike, next bike, next bike, next bike. Yeah. And they didn't, you know, nobody explained any features. I mean, even some of those bikes like keyless, keyless ignitions and i didn't know how to even turn it on on a couple of them yeah okay so you're saying that before i think they should have like an overview of the different bikes and how to kind of go through the different modes you know it'd be kind of helpful you know as far as somebody getting on a brand new not knowing the bike as well yeah you know if you wanted to switch it through here's how you do a type of thing so okay cool especially especially these bikes you know the the bmws have a lot of electronics in them um, not just for the controls, but for the systems in general. I mean, you've got built-in intercom, you have GPS integration, not to mention the engine management modes, traction control, you know, suspension changes, braking changes. I mean, it's just, if I'm going to buy a bike like that, yeah, I'm going to have to sit down and go through the menu and understand, you know, what are all the changes here? And does it, does it do a damn thing for the bike? That's the other thing is, you know, can you even tell the difference on some of this stuff? I bet some people can't. Right. Logistically, in an event like that, th- there was, you know, th- three or four brands there, and there was mm-hmm. eight or nine models. It would have taken a long time to to give everybody five or ten minutes on each bike if there was only two or three. Yeah. Or maybe a cheat sheet or a small video, like, "Hey, you're you're about to ride the Multistrada 1200. Here's a one pager that says, here's what you're going to see on the display, and here's." how to change like one or two key things not the traction control but like basic modes i would like to switch it into rain mode road mode you know sport mode just to see like okay does it really make it feel more responsive in sport mode or is it just kind of you know is this another little light on the dash <laughs> you know that kind of right. stuff i would like to know yeah and what 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 happens to the bike when you put it in rain mode is there some kind of slip differential something or other magic going on in the background right you know, you know, what, what happens to the bike when you put it in that mode? Yeah. You want know, to give you that comfort level. Say, okay, I know my bike's going to do this when I put it in this mode when I'm in the rain. So I have to worry. You know, I know I'm going to, I'm sure footed, you know? Yeah. So to get that would be, you know, pretty bit eventual. And especially too, if you're in a touring mode or sport mode, the difference in the behavior in the motor, you're going to experience this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But okay, I think we beat this to death. Let's move on <laughs> to the next topic. <laughs> Well, I will say just just one more anecdote. Anecdote is that 
Um, Ducati lays that out nicely on their website, especially for the Enduro, where it tells you exactly, okay, if you pick this mode, this is what it does. You know, it lowers, like Enduro mode, for example, softens the, the suspension, reduces the power from 160 to 100 horsepower, really eases up on the ABS, and I think you can even disable it for the rear wheel. So it, it lays that out for you nicely on Ducati's website. Cool. Now, see, all that information should be sent out in a reminder to get familiar <laughs> with the bike before you ride it, huh? Before you ride this 160-horsepower beast. <laughs> you know, these are the things you want to take, think about. If somebody emailed that to me, I would have gotten half a paragraph in before I <laughs> deleted it. Yeah, like, like <laughs> Yeah. No, it depends if you're, you know, if you're interested in purchasing this type of bike, you'll probably be into it. You'll want to know these yeah. types of things. So it depends if you're into it or not. Yeah. You know, I took the time when I bought my bike to really kind of dull, deep dive into it and see what, what it does, what it, what's, you know, all the bells and whistles and what each one of those bells and whistles done do whatever it does. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Right. Moving on. All right, well, let's get on to the R90 Scrambler Edition, which was, now this was the second bike you took out right after the F700? Uh, yeah, so that so we're doing a little bit out of order, but uh, that bike is so good looking. It's got a brown seat. Brown yeah. seat, ding, ding. <laughs> I'm digging um, that. <laughs> it really seems like the kind of bike, like a good all-around kind of bike you mm-hmm. could uh, you know, definitely ride it around town. It was fast. It looked cool. That not the one I rode, but they had another one with like an optional aluminum tank with these really beautiful, meticulous aluminum welds. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, it was powerful. It it was stripped down, so it didn't have all of those riding modes. I don't think it had any riding modes. Well, so it was much more. I'd say before you get too far on the the ride experience. So this is a little bit lighter than the GS. Or the big 1200 GS is about 485 fueled and ready to go. Is that fueled or is that unladen? Fueled, 485 yeah. fueled. 485 fueled. Surprised. Yep. And about 100, what are we looking at here? 110 horsepower and 86 foot pounds of torque. So just for a comparison, right. you're down uh, eight, 8 pounds of torque and about 15 horsepower on the big GS and a little bit lighter. It's a much, much different experience uh it's a totally different engine it's an oil cooled yep boxer rather than the um liquid cooled boxer in the 1200 in the 1200 gs yeah but still balanced though it doesn't doesn't shake yeah, yeah. It, it's really a it's really a pretty engine and it's a pretty bike though i did one of the things that i noticed while i was riding it um and i think it could have been corrected pretty easily is it had some really intense vibration in the right not even vibration but the way that it was vibrating i lost some uh feeling in my fingers oh no <laughs> on the throttle on my throttle hand but i think that if you got some some weighted bar ends or something or some they might take care of that some f- softer grips it would take it would take care of, care of a lot of that that's so th- that was actually a big ne- <laughs> kind of a big negative now that i think about it you, <laughs> <laughs> your hand falls asleep after 20 minutes of riding yeah that's no good <laughs> but that that bike was really fun it was beautiful uh you couldn't take it around the world it was it wouldn't be a good touring bike i don't think (laughs) seat wasn't that comfortable though the seating position was comfortable i didn't feel cramped um in my legs i thought that i was going to basically fair to say basically an upright riding position there was any lean to it at all no it was very upright riding position um but very comfortable you know 
the bars felt like in the right place for me. They were nice and wide. Yeah. That bike also seemed like it would be pretty easy to, to get the front tire up. I can hear fine. I can hear Rico just drooling there, not just from the brown seat, but this thing is gorgeous. <laughs> it is. It's a it's a sexy bike and I'm I'm digging it. But how's the suspension on this one for you, Micah? You know, this bike was um felt much more like a street bike. You it know? looks firm. Not, yeah, it, well it was but it wasn't uh you know, I don't think there was that much suspension travel compared to the adventure bikes. There wouldn't Right probably wouldn't be too comfortable off-road on the, on that bike but i felt that the suspension was was pretty nicely set up okay uh let's see what else did i want to know about this one uh looks like pretty good brakes on this too and of course we didn't really get to to test out the brakes that much but well except for that the stalling situation <laughs> oh yeah oh that's is right this yeah, the, this is the one on? <laughs> yeah so we were <laughs> we were on a road and the road kind of curved off to the right but we were making a left-hand turn right at the beginning of the curve. So I think I was maybe third in the pack. Yeah. Third or first fourth. Two, yeah. The first two guys went and I was, you know, I was hanging back a little bit. Um, so they had gone. And then right as I get to where we're making the turn, this white car comes up around the curve. Yeah. So I, so I stopped, you know, not short, but I stopped, you know, because I saw the car and Rich was like, wait. Yeah. I'm like, wait, <laughs> oh, there's a car there all of a sudden. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> but then the person stopped in the middle of the turn of the curve to let us go. And I was not expecting that. So I was, I was coming up, I was going to make the turn in second gear, but then I saw the car. So I, you know, so I stopped on the, you know, a break yep. and then they were like, go, go, go. And I didn't have a chance to downshift. So I started going, I was kind of confused whether I was, should go or whether that other car should go. So then, you know, I started going and because I was in second gear from a stop, I have stalled right in the middle of the intersection there. No, but, but I got it going right away and everything, everything turned out safe and happy. That's cool. I'm surprised the bike actually, he actually pulled it away in second gear. So yeah, it's got pretty impressive. good, pretty good torque. Yeah. Did you have to give it a lot of uh, revs there before it pulled off or no? Well, I, I stalled pretty much right away. <laughs> I mean, I got it, I got it into first gear and started up again pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so okay. there might be video of that. Oh, cool. <laughs> I got to see that. <laughs> you know, I watched the video yesterday and it happened like in a, like in a second, maybe yeah. two seconds. But at the time of the event, I, th- I thought that we were sitting at that, at that stop for a long time. The whole thing from slow down until you were out of the intersections, probably like eight seconds. But yeah, it felt like half a minute. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was, that's one of the things they were teaching the class, Rich, too. Make sure you're in first gear when you come to a stop. <laughs> <laughs> Downshift as you're going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting topic. I heard that once before. When you guys stop at a red light, you guys stay in first gear or are you in neutral? Only if I'm, I stay in first gear if I'm the only car at the light. So if I think that there might be a car approaching me from behind, yeah. I'll stay in first gear. But if there's a car behind me stopped, then I'll put it in neutral. Kick it in neutral. Yeah. All right. Just curious. First gear. John, you don't have a choice <laughs> with your slipomatic <laughs> or semi-automatic. Yeah, put some parking brake. Uh, I've done that before. You. <laughs> my brother's in the live stream. I'm waiting for him to start cranking on the three wheeler. I know, right? <laughs> He's probably snoozing over there. Uh, so, I guess you know, the, there's not a lot we can feel out in this kind of ride, but I guess just speak to the overall feeling of this kind of bike 
Now, the first two being adventure bikes, you know, they're tall, a lot of travel. Um, second one was pretty powerful, but just kind of a, a different feel. Now, this is more, you know, it is their scrambler model, so the pipes are high, and they're sort of going for that that style and that feel. So, what what was your overall feeling of this bike, and does it does it resonate with you? Yeah. So, first of all, I would say that that bike felt cool. You know, so aside from all of the the details of riding it, it yeah. you got on that bike and you're just like, man, I'm cool. <laughs> like, I f- you feel a little bit cool, or I felt a little bit cooler on that bike. On the GS, you're just like I'm somebody's somebody's dentist trying to yeah <laughs> but uh the, the the scrambler it felt cool <laughs> <laughs> he said dentist <laughs> but uh can we quote that no <laughs> <laughs> dentist rides this bike <laughs> whatever okay yeah but i felt i felt confident i could commute on that bike i could have a lot of fun on you know on the weekends on that bike it felt much smaller too uh, so if we lived in a place where you could do some lane splitting, that'd probably be a better choice. Yeah. Mm. Pretty narrow bars on it then. Well, no, it wasn't. Not the bars, it wasn't but like the bike sport. itself was narrow. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, one of the things that we weren't riding with, a lot of those adventure bikes have panniers on them a lot of the Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time that really makes them much wider too. Yeah. So the 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 tank had that feel. It seems like they they really narrowed the mm-hmm. tank a little bit. So how had that feel between your legs? You know, the tank it kind of disappeared on you. <laughs> you know, it, it felt like perfectly natural on that. You know, Rich was having a lot of problems with a lot of those bikes um, feeling compressed in <laughs> in the seat. Yeah, or sliding me forward. You know, they had kind sliding, of a, yeah. a tip to them. I didn't, I didn't feel that way, but that, that bike, it felt, you know, it just felt like a, like a standard bike. Like it felt, I felt at home on that bike. Like I felt on, felt on my bike. I, I've been on the set on a Bonneville. It was the same sort of a feeling, hmm. you know, just a, just a standard bike. You can have a lot of fun on. Nice. This is on my list of bikes. I have to ride because like Mike, I said, it just looks cool. Yeah, it is. It is a cool looking bike. No doubt about it. I'm glad they put a brown seat on it because it makes it even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, ding, ding, ding. You know, the single swing arm and the dual pipes coming out the side, you know, that's a nice touch. And the tank looks, looks really good. I, I think they, they, they nailed this one. Um, but if there was one thing on this bike you would change, Micah, what would it be? Oh, I would change the seat. Well, aside from the bars vibrating <laughs> i would change it i would change the seat it wasn't it was comfortable enough for a short ride but you wouldn't want to spend two or three or four hundred miles in it okay and what about the mirrors did you were you able to see behind you pretty good with those mirrors yeah the mirrors were perfect well i, I kind of i can't remember now i remember thinking on one of the bikes that the mirrors were just outstanding but it might have been the gs the big gs yeah big gs and I will say, Rico, I, I I know you've seen the pictures, but I'm gonna put one in the show notes. The if you buy this bike, you must you must get that optional aluminum tank that's hand brushed. It is astounding. The, the the level of detail on it, just the welds alone. I mean, it's like it's like bike porn. It is awesome. That's all I got to say about the tank. So, <laughs> that's a four and a half gallon tank too of pure luxury lust <laughs> and they got knee pads for you rico so i know you like to hug the tank so yeah yeah so um 
Speaking of foot pegs, how how was the the shifter, the clutch shifter? Was it easy to find? Was it, it was big? easy to it was easy to find on the you know on all the bikes it was actually really easy to find though on the first bike on the F seven hundred GS the brake pedal was lower than I'd ex- I expected so you know I kind of had to reach my my foot down from mm-hmm. the peg so that so that instead of being sort of parallel or the brake pedal being parallel to the to the peg or even you know a tiny bit raised it was it was maybe an inch down that mm-hmm. took a little bit of getting used to but on all the other bikes i felt you know everything was right where it kind of fell into place right where i expected would have expected it power was good responsiveness was good <laughs> the power was really good <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah that bike was a, it was a strong bike has had a lot of torque both those 1200 engines had a lot of torque down low mm-hmm. um the boxer you, yeah he came on almost right away okay now i will say be, before we get to the ducati multistrada i will say this r90 from bmw i think this is your bike of the four that that you were yeah. riding i would see you most on this bike it looked well you looked good on it and you said it kind of sort of spoke to you as you were riding it so that would be yeah. my pick for you the the thing with those other bikes is that you they couldn't be i don't think you, they could be your only bike they're just too you know they're too big to just hop on for you know a quick jaunt to the store or you know down the street you'd have to have something smaller <laughs> that's how <laughs> i feel second. about the big touring bikes too as i yeah i totally agree it, yeah <laughs> if you have a huge gigantic bike like that you need something but if you were if i was only to have one it would the scrambler would have would be probably well, I don't know. I'd like to take a look at the regular 9T also. Okay. Um, apparently, the steering is a little bit different on between those two bikes. The rake is a little bit okay. uh, longer on the Scrambler, so I'd like to compare them. There's actually a couple of other R9Ts coming out. All right. Cool. Are- I know the one thing I would do is chop off that rear fender license plate <laughs> thing with Jake hanging off the back <laughs> of that thing. It's got <laughs> ugly. That'd be the first thing I would cut off. Yeah. Those are, it seems like every bike has those that were put on there by regulators somewhere rather than designers. Yeah, I, 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 I wholeheartedly feel that aside from some of the Harleys, the license plate holder is definitely put on there by a regulator because no one in their right mind would actually style it that way. Yeah, that's one of the parts about my bike that drives me crazy. It's got this huge apparatus with the <laughs> taillight and the, the, the turn signals, then it's got the license plate holder, then underneath it, it's got this light that shines up. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the problems. I know we're not talking about the Gucci, but one of the problems with the Gucci is there's no hardly any aftermarket support. Yeah. So there, there are some tail tidy kits that get rid of the rear fender entirely. I like the I like the rear fender. I would just like a much a smaller you know license plate mount with you know maybe some more subdued lighting. Yep. But yeah. there's no. You'd have to get some stuff custom fabricated, and that would your bike would be out of commission for a while, and you would also spend a lot. Cool. So, what size motor is in here, Rich or John? Twelve. Uh, this is twelve hundred as well. I think. Is it twelve hundred as well? Okay. Yeah, so, just not water yeah, cooled. Seventy. You're still talking about the R nine T, right? R two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's eleven seventy. Eleven seventy. One hundred ten horsepower and eighty six foot pounds of torque. Yeah. So that yeah, that'd be pretty that'd be quick nice. Bike. Yeah, that'd be nice. And it says it can do over one hundred twenty five miles an hour. Oh, nice. 
I like that. Over. Totally believable. Over 125. <laughs> awesome. So let's move on and let's talk about your guys. You guys both got onto the Multistrada that Rich hates. But Micah has a kind of a different opinion, I think, if I remember correctly from hanging out yeah, with Yeah, I, I like that bike. I don't <laughs> I, I think this calls the, over. The, <laughs> you know, some of the criticisms Rich has are uh, valid, but I think he's taking too critical a stance. <laughs> I knew he was a whiner. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry if my if my legs get cramped and my boys get crushed. That's really not an enjoyable ride. Yeah, <laughs> I mean so that might be your thing, but that's not for me. Yeah, you yeah. can't be messing with the family. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Play with the jewels. <laughs> I also didn't have that problem, <laughs> but, um, the, the seating position, the, the legs, your legs are tucked up underneath you a little more on the multistrada, but I found it comfortable as well. Um, yeah. Well, and, and to be fair, the, the Ducati multistrada 1200, I think it was the S that we were riding, um, which would have the better suspension, what do they call it? Sky hook or something like that. Uh, same power plant as the regular 1200, but. That's more sport touring. That is not an adventure bike unless you get on the Enduro model of the Multistrada, which we couldn't ride because they sold it. So I guess that's saying something about that model. <laughs> they sold it. Um, I, I read today that uh, the Multistrada is the second most popular bike Ducati sells. Yeah. I, I mean, I can see it has mass appeal. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Rico. You are correct. It's scrambler. You are correct. It's the Skyhook suspension. On the S, yeah, that's one of the big differences. Yeah. Go ahead, Rico. Yeah. I think I stepped on you. No, no. So uh, there's three different models of this uh, Multistrada 1200. There's the 1200, there's the Enduro, and the uh, Pikes Peak. So which one were you guys on? The Enduro? The tw- it was the t- either the 1200 or the 1200S, one of the two. 1200S, okay. I can't tell if it was the S or not. I really like the way that Pikes Peak looks though with that red and white paint paint on it so the one thing that really i think you know is a nice touch to this bike is the led like the little six led headlights in the front of it i think that's pretty slick yeah yeah but the nostrils that it has this huge (laughs) like flared look to it i don't know it looks like an angry predator no man that's a hot that's a hot looking bike yeah it's I, I gotta admit, from the front profile, this is a good-looking bike. I, yeah. It looks like an angry eagle or something. Yeah, but I think one of the main criticisms that Rich has about that bike is one of the reasons I liked it. Was <laughs> <laughs> what was the heat? No. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. I mean, it was warm, but if you, it's a cold day outside, that can be very benefit. Could be a benefit, yeah. right? Yeah. See Roadmaster for details. Exactly. <laughs> you don't but, hear me whining in the cold weather. The way that the power comes on in that on that engine, it comes late in the in the revs. Yeah, begins late in the revs. So, I I thought that made it, you know, probably would make it a crummy off road bike, but I felt like it made it oh, a race bike for somebody. Yeah, <laughs> for somebody who was you know new to riding, it made it much more controllable at, yeah. at low speeds. So, you know, sometimes on the on the twelve hundreds crack the throttle a little bit and you're like, whoa, you're throwing back. Yeah. But with my problem is for a bike that has 160 horsepower, when you compare this to the, the S 1000 XR, this thing is a dog 
off the line until until it gets going. So we probably had it in rain mode. <laughs> I don't maybe I don't know. But when you look at the spec sheet, you're like, wow, it's 160 horsepower. And then you get on it, and it's like, mm, I don't really agree with that. Oh, oh, there it is. Ah, there's the power. Okay, it's just that I don't know. It's just weird to me to be yeah, so it, flat and then kick you in the butt. It felt really heavy at low speeds too. Yeah, it felt taller than it is too. It felt like the tallest bike in the class. The turn signals are in the handguard, so that's awesome. Looks great from the front. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you there. I found it very controllable at not at, from a stop, but you know, once you get going, I thought the power came on really nice and smooth. Even though you did have to kind of wait for a while, you know, wait for a while yeah. and dig into the motor. But I thought that bike, you know, that bike was a lot of fun, and maybe it wouldn't be my first choice out of all of them. But yeah, I, I think I think you should be more generous to it, Rich. It's just the seat was all wrong for me. I I had no comfort in the seat. Uh, I just that the whole riding position to me was just not my thing. Like you said, your legs are a little tight. You still lean a little bit forward. And then just that seat running downhill, that was the, the final nail in the coffin for me. The thing about these bikes is I think that, you know, you're supposed to get on them and head to California or wherever, you know, <laughs> ride for days. Yeah. And that bike maybe would be, your legs would feel a little bit cramped up after a short period. And it's $4,000 more than the S1000XR. Yeah, but it's yeah. Italian. You know what? I, ju- I just got it. What's that? This seat, this bike, is like sitting on the toilet the wrong way. You straddle <laughs> in your toilet. <laughs> your legs are up. You're Thanks sitting on, on the tank. <laughs> That's oh. what it is. There it is. Shambila. <laughs> All together. Uh. (laughs) all right so now i guess let's wrap up the four bikes if if you had the money and you were shopping which you're not just in case wink wink (laughs) if so if you had to buy one of these four at when you left after the demo day which one gets your money um you know money no object i probably would get a 1200 gs but (laughs) but if you know the scramblers thousands of dollars cheaper i don't know four thousand dollars cheaper than the yeah thereabouts yeah i think a, G, a gsa fully kitted out is 22 or twenty three thousand. well would you go gsa or the regular gs once you're already getting a gs might as well get the crash bars and the bigger tank it's not that much different the r9t starts at 15 uh if you're going scrambler that starts 13. at 13 the gs is at 16.5 1200 yes yeah. Oh, well. yeah it's three thousand dollars though yeah yeah um but you gotta look I, at the point you got michael if you look at your the scrambler that's pretty much what you got now with the v7 yeah well so, it's, maybe like, style wise but it's style wise power, but yeah. it's in the but same power. genre but uh yeah but you don't have more power but you know you gotta figure out you know well if i were to keep the v7 it definitely would be the gs ah there you go that's how you build um, your stable, my man. I also, right there. I also just watched half of Long Way Around this weekend, so that may have colored my right. <laughs> <laughs> colored my choice. Your lens well. is a little tinted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I could definitely ride across Kazakhstan with that bike. Too funny, Rico. Money, no object. Which one are you buying of the four? The nine to scrambler. The nine T scrambler. Okay. Mm-hmm. John, 
1200. Which one? The GS. Okay. Regular, not the adventure. Yeah. The regular. Okay. All right. It's, it's a, it's, it, it's razor thin though. The, the margin of victory is razor thin for me. Though. Okay. I, I think I would probably be buying the, the R1200 GS as well. I don't think I want the GSA. I mean, if I owned one of these bikes, I probably would like to take it off road at some point, but my lifestyle realistically, that's just probably not going to happen. So it's probably going to end up being a road slash track bike like Brian. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to ride it down the Brooklyn pizza. Who am I kidding? <laughs> it's two miles yeah. away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that would be my pick. All right. Well, well, thanks Micah for that. That was good, good stuff. And you're going to join us on the, I think it's the 16th for the triumph bobber event. No, I have to be out of town for that. Oh, I really wish I could get bummer. Yeah. All right. You turn fellas. You turn what we got. All right. Let's talk about a bike build. And no, we're not talking about a bike build off show. We're talking about Victory's Operation Octane. So we mentioned this a couple episodes ago and wanted to just mention that the winners have been announced for this. And one of the riders of Loud Pipes, Jebby, actually picked the actual winner, which is Evil Ethel from Strokers Dallas. That was a North American winner. And I think, John, if I'm not mistaken, he also liked the Desert Racer, which is the international winner. Correct. Awesome. So I don't know, Micah, did you have a, a favorite in this lineup? Yeah, my I actually like the Desert Racer as well. Um, even my taste in American motorcycles runs towards Europe, so Yeah. <laughs> this bike was built in Germany. So. Yeah. But um yeah, I actually the two bikes that I liked the most were these the both the international winner and the runners up. The the Grifter was your other one? Yeah, the I really like the the way that they incorporated that like little rear fender into the seat it really kept the same sort of line i, th- I thought that was really i, th- really I thought well the, done. the welds on the the titanium for the exhaust were oh yeah awesome on the grifter that was nice and john the uh the general lee cafe bike didn't what didn't win ah uh, i know right <laughs> it's okay but hey those guys won the scout competition so they got to take a little break and we talked about the originally the Octane Operation Octane in sixty episode sixty two. Sixty two. Thank you, sir. No problem. Oh, John earning that paycheck. Look at you. <laughs> All right, Rico. Were those good for you? Did you uh, have a favorite? The Desert Racer is cool, but you know, you would think that bike it it looks more suited to be in uh, Australia than Germany. Yeah, the Desert Racer to me though looked too stock a little too stock right yeah it's like paint they wrap the pipes put some bags on it i was like uh that's a little too close to stock and i think to me i don't know if this is true but it looks like victory required you to keep the stock tank because if you look at it nobody changed the tank um that one racer inspired the one racer inspired octane looks like the tank's Maybe it's the stock tank, but they've got some stuff hanging off of it. Racer inspired. Let me look. The Miss Shocker one is, you know, I think my favorite. Okay. The one out of Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, that bike is cool too. 
that racer inspired okay yeah they did yeah that's got all kind of stuff molded on it that's pretty cool it's like a fake uh, supercharger scoop (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean if you look at the rest of them like nobody else touched the tank it's interesting yeah well it's a it's a nice looking tank just you know yeah better than the scout well you know actually going on to a separate topic wrench against the machine Mm -hmm. that first bike they had was a, a scout it was, and they were saying what a big pain in it, uh, what a pain it was to alter the tank because of the fuel pump and the injection fuel injection system yeah. were inside of it. Yeah, I so think maybe. any, I don't know about any, but I think most fuel injected bikes have the pump in the tank because I think that's how they also cool it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's why it's in there. But but yeah, I'd, I never even thought about that with cutting up a tank on a modern bike. It's like, oh yeah, the fuel pump is in there. <laughs> Oops cool yes so maybe that's why they they did that i like this michael delaney one too that's another kind of race looking bike with a little scoop fairing on it and your cafe rear fender that's from switzerland yeah you know that bike that bike and there's another bike um the octane lightning they're gonna show you kind of what you know, what a victory sports bike you know the the startings of a victory sports bike american v-twin they look cool yeah overall i'm hoping i I think i'm on record saying this a few times i I really think victory should go in the performance direction you know leave that classic styling market to uh indian and just victory should just go crazy on the performance end that's what i really hope they do that'd be nice yeah they should all right fellas head over to the garage okay It's not a very long (laughs) soundbite, so (laughs) it's not like I can stall and fill it. So Um, just a quick update from the garage. I had some feedback on my custom build, which I haven't done anything in the last two weeks except look at a couple of books. And we had a listener write in, Travis March, and he just wanted to basically say, I've mentioned a hardtail and I've also mentioned a shovelhead. And he's sort of been listening. You know, he's an astute listener. So he's been hearing me complain about vibrations and, of course, you know, sagas with my back and things like that. So he's like, you know, are you sure you want to ride a rigid and a shovel head with all that vibration? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know what the draw is currently, but I really feel like I want a rigid, you know, with a spring seat. I know I'm not that crazy. And, you know, I think I want an old power plant in it of some sort. It doesn't even have to be Harley, but I think I want an older power plant of at least, you know, 15 years old. Ah, nice. That's my thought. Because I want to work on it. You know, I want to I want right. to strip it down. I want to customize it. I want to know the bike inside and out. You know, all these electronics. Another five years, you're going to have an engine that's 15 years old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> With my own bike, right? Yeah. Not five. It'll be seven. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was... Sorry. Getting there. Getting there. So yeah, that was it. And I've got a picture of his bike. He has a, a shovel head that he rides as a as a daily. So I'll put a picture of that in the show notes. So Travis, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Now, what do you think, Rico? Should I should I go rigid or skip that? Uh, it's gonna you're gonna be taking Advil before you ride, right? I've been good, man. I've been good for months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a tough one because that's like you were saying. That's a, that's a kind of a hard ride, brother. 
you know how you you kind of tense up when you're about to go over a nice bump or some kind of sure bridge do. or something. So, sure you know, think about it. Well, maybe I'll think do mid, mid control so I can stand up instead of doing a forward control. Then it won't look cool. You're right. Oh, man. Micah, no. what do you think? Mid controls? Mid controls all the way. Standing up is fun. <laughs> but not on your custom. Yeah, that's the thing. The custom is a lot about the look. I'm not going to ride this. Put rear sets on there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <no> custom. <laughs> so, and, and there's one other one I didn't mention, but uh, Brian Honeycutt from our last episode, uh, episode 65, he weighed in on what I thought I should do as a custom, and I'm not going to tell you guys. I like Why? That. Why not? Nope. Not going to say it. Because it's that cool. And if I decide to do it, I'll just spring it on you. Whatever. There's no springing. Yeah. He can't hold his tongue. <laughs> right? Yeah, who am I kidding? But I'm still not telling you until I buy it. Fine. It'll come out eventually, John. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll wait. All right. Rich, got any good events coming up? Uh, we do. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it because the weekend is kind of tough. But um, like Micah said, he's away. But I've got things to do. December 16th is the Triumph Bobber event. That's going to be at Sugar Creek Brewery here in Charlotte. Sponsored, not sponsored, but it's actually put on by Motorcycles of Charlotte and, and Triumph. So that'll be cool. And Easy Riders, January 21st. Also in Charlotte. Nice. All right. Anything else, fellas? Last call, round robin. Micah, you first. Well, I had a wonderful time this evening. Everybody is gentlemanly and knowledgeable we kept it civil <laughs> yep i wanted to use so many bow words but i downshift it, coming up downshift coming up all right john nope i'm all good it's a fun time again guys and thanks michael for joining us all right mr hogan yeah uh, uh it's, it's good to have one of our supporters on the show we got to have a couple other guys uh, on here as well uh, and maybe just kind of Go between a couple of them, you know, just kind of have them on the show periodically to just kind of get their input on why they like it. Are they enjoying the the social aspect of it? You know, having that much access to us all the time, all day long. I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot of guys may like, ah, I probably don't need that. But, you know, Mike, what do you what's your take on it? Do you enjoy the, the camaraderie with everybody? I mean, are you enjoy, enjoying oh, that yeah. aspect of social? Yeah. I- I learn so much from the Slack channel. I, you know, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm a new rider. I'm not terribly knowledgeable about motorcycle things. I didn't grow up around them. And, um, so I find it really, it's entertaining. It's educational. It's great. And it gives me more investment in, you know, in the podcast too, than just, you know, something that shows up on my, on your feed, yeah. my app once a week or whatever. That's cool. Awesome. I find it valuable. Cool. Very nice. Well, with that, I would like to thank all the riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. That would be our first five riders, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion, barbershop rider Chuck, and of course, riders Steve and Titus, and our fabulous insider and guest for tonight, Micah, thank you very much, and my little brother, Kenny, who's also on the live stream all by himself. What's up with that? We got to get more people in there. I know. Well, Jebby's not feeling well tonight, so he's out. Hope to get better. Loudpipes.net slash donate is the place to be if you want to join in on some of this fun, and we'd love to have you as part of our crew. 
And if you want some swag, check out loudpipes.net slash store. Give John something to do this weekend. He can pack a few boxes and and Natalie will put them into the PO. Additional information for this episode and including links and images can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 66. Here you'll find links to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and follow us on social media. Micah, send us into the downshift. She stands up. Let's ride out of here. Roll out. Roll out. This has been an RDub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.